really didn't intend to go as many lessons as I have, but it ended up pretty good. Uh, we have skipped a Sunday since I've been up here, so I want to remind us just a little bit uh, uh, where we got to. We were talking about authority in religion and uh, basically came to the conclusion that anything except the Bible is basically subjective. It's just up to your idea. Uh, you could go through all that list of things that we talked about, but basically all of that is subjective. And we came down to the point that uh, the only thing that can guide us in religion and give us an objective standard is the Bible. Now, with that being said, the only way we can all come to the same conclusion about what the Bible says if we, is, is, is if we properly interpret that. I um, mean, there's a lot of religious bodies around here claiming to follow the Bible, and they all teach different things. They practice different things, even to the point where they say you can uh, come into a right relationship with God in different ways. Well, if we properly interpret the Bible and apply it as it should be, then we would all be speaking the same thing. We'd all be teaching the same thing. We'd all be practicing the same thing. Now, with that said... Either all of us can be wrong, but we both can't be right. You know, so, you know, that, that's about only two, two choices there are. Either both of us are wrong, you know, but we both can't be right. But we know this, the Bible is right. And if we handle it correctly, and if we properly interpret it, then hopefully we'll come to the uh, right conclusion of what God wants us to do. It's not up to us. We try to come to the conclusion that was given by the inspired writers of the Bible and what God intended us to draw from that. Now, with that being said, we talked about interpreting the Bible and said that the things that we do in religion need to come from the Bible even to the point of prayer. And we use that as an example. And of course, we went to Colossians 3.17 where it says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have to have that authority. And we got down to the point of how does the Bible authorize? And we pointed out the first way is by command. Now, we went through several scriptures uh, and talked about command. Um, John 13, 34, where it says, love each other, a new commandment I give you. Uh, Ephesians 5, 18, don't be drunk with wine. First uh, Thessalonians 4, 3, where it says uh, you need to uh, abstain from fornication. All of those are commands. Now, then we got into the discussion of commands and talked about, well, commands can be general in nature. And in particular, we talked about the Great Commission uh, in Matthew 28, 19, where it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. The go there is a command, but it's very general in nature. It doesn't tell us how to go. So we can go in any form as long as we go. It doesn't give us the option not to go. But as far as going, and of course, as made this point before, glad God didn't limit it uh, to how they went then, because we know how they went then, but you know, we've got all sorts of different means of transportation today. So we can go in any way. Uh, if you look at Mark 16, 15, that's uh, also... Uh, where the great commission is given. And it says, and he said unto them, go ye into all the word and preach the gospel to every creature. Now notice 
the, the word preach. We've got to preach. Now, you know there's all different ways to preach, right? You can preach through the written word. You can preach through the spoken word that we're doing today. You can send things over the internet now. You can send videos. You can do all sorts of different ways to preach as long as you get the preaching done. But then look what we're supposed to preach. The gospel. He's very specific about that. We don't have any leeway in to preach what we want to preach, okay? Uh, you know, we can't go around preaching about, well, let's tell people how to be financially secure. Let's just teach a whole lot about finances. That's not what it says there. It says we're going to preach the gospel. The gospel is Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what we're supposed to preach. Of course, that's the only way man comes to an understanding of salvation is if we preach the gospel. So that's very specific. It limits that. If we go into the world, then we're to preach. That's very wide open, a lot of different ways, but it limits us into what we're supposed to preach, and that is the gospel. And that's where it can get very specific in nature. So there's general commands and there's specific commands. And then we pointed out in Genesis 6.14 about God giving Noah the instructions uh, for the ark. He said, I want you to make it of gopher wood. Now, of all the kinds of woods out there, God chose gopher wood. Now, as we said, God didn't have to give a long list of, I don't want pine, I don't want oak, I don't want cedar. He didn't have to give a long list because when God specifies something, it leaves everything out that's on that same level. All the other woods you can think about are left out because God specified one. You know, God did the same thing when he talked about uh, who was supposed to serve in the temple, tribe of Levi, right? And in particular, the high priest came from Aaron. You know, it even says in Hebrews, he didn't have to say anything about all the other tribes about don't use it. He said, God spoke nothing about the other tribes. He specified Levi. That left all the other tribes out. He didn't have to list them and say don't use them. When he specifies one thing, that leaves everything else out. Now, we are well aware of that. We deal with that uh, in our everyday lives. You know, when you go to a restaurant, you order something off the menu, Whatever you order is what you expect to get. You know, you don't have to say, I want a hamburger and fries, but I don't want the apple pie and I don't want the steak and I don't want the soup. You don't have to do that because we understand that kind of authority. You can specify what you want on that menu and because all the other items on that menu are on the same level, that leaves all the rest of them out. We use that in our everyday lives as human beings and God has that same authority even more so because he is the God of the universe. He has all authority. Now, that's talking about specific commands in particular. Now, some people say, well, when God gives a specific command, talking about no one in particular, could Noah use things to help him carry out God's will? We call those aids. Well, you know, it took Noah about 120 years to build that ark. How to go for wood, and God also gave him specific instructions about, I want it this long, I want it that high, I want this kind of window, I want one door in it. He gave him specific instructions. But you know, he didn't give Noah instructions specifically about the tools he was going to use. Did he say, you have to use a handsaw? We don't even know what tools Noah used. 
God didn't specify what Noah could use. So did Noah use whatever tools were available to him at that time? I would say so. He used whatever construction tools were available to him and his sons at that time to build that ark. Well, now, did he go beyond what God told him to do in using those tools to carry out God's will? We know he didn't because twice it says Noah did everything God commanded him to do. So we know know that Noah did everything right. So when we use things to help us do God's will, we just can't go beyond what God has said to do. Think about the Lord's Supper. We know what we're supposed to use as far as the elements go. We use grape juice, and we use unleavened bread, correct? Now, you know, we used to do it a little different before the pandemic, didn't we? We had these trays sitting up here, and we had trays, and we had containers, and we had cups, and we had the fruit of the vine in them, and we passed them out. Now, in doing all of that, did we go beyond what God said do about the Lord's Supper? Those were aids in helping us take the Lord's Supper. We put the grape juice in those containers. We passed it out. Think about what we're doing now. It's totally different than what we were doing. But is that still an aid in helping us do what God commanded us to do? Yes, it is. You go by, you pick up your packet. It has the grape juice in it. It has unleavened bread in it. It's designed where you can peel it back and do one and then peel it back and do the other. Pretty good design. Does that cause us to go beyond what God told us to do or do anything He didn't ask us to do? It doesn't. That's called an aid. It helps us in doing God's will. Think about when we sing as God has commanded us to do. Some of the guys up here use a pitch pipe. They blow a note. You know, one of the things you have to do when you sing, you got to start somewhere. You got to start on a pitch. Either you make it up in your head, you guess about it, or you take that pitch pipe, or some people use a tuning fork, you take something to get a pitch. Now, when you blow that note on that pitch pipe, that's an aid to getting started. Does that cause us to do anything God has not asked us to do? No, it doesn't. We still sing from our heart. We use our lips. We praise God. But we've got to have a starting point. And that starting point can be gotten in a lot of different ways. And a pitch pipe and a tuning fork and all those things are aids in helping us do God's will. Anything uh, that will help us do God's will can be an aid as long as it doesn't cause us to go beyond our add to up here on the Lord's Supper. What if I said, well, you know, peanut butter would really make it a lot easier for me to take the unleavened bread. It'd be a lot easier. I would enjoy it more. Could I add peanut butter to the unleavened bread? Why not? Why isn't that an aid? What's, what's the difference in the peanut butter being an aid and the cup for the fruit of the vine? Or the, uh, what's the difference? Why not? Why? Why is it adding to? Okay. So the peanut butter is what? as is the bread and juice. It's a type of food, isn't it? It's another element. If you do that, then you add to what God... God specified what food elements He wanted in the Lord's Supper. Grape juice and unleavened bread. Anything we add to that 
whether it's peanut butter, bologna, or whatever else, that would be adding to what God said do. Because, again, God didn't have to give a long list of foods He doesn't want on the Lord's Supper. He told us what He did want. Okay? Unleavened bread and fruit of the vine. Yes? No. It's about following the Exactly. In particular, you know, you can go back to music on that again. A lot of people enjoy instrumental music. I enjoy instrumental music. I love to go to concerts and do different things and listen to that. That's not what God authorized in the New Testament as far as New Testament worship goes. That's why we don't use instrumental music in our worship services because it would be adding another type of music. It's like the food. Okay, there's all sorts of music, but those musics fall into two categories. Instrumental or acapella, voice music. God chose voice music. Okay, he, he chose that. From the examples we have and from what God said, and now he did say use an instrument. Remember what an instrument was? The heart. You're going you're to strum on that heart. He, he, you know, in the Old Testament, they did use instruments. But you know, when you come to the New Testament, God raised that up to another level, didn't he? He took it away from the physical level and strumming on a harp or anything. He wants to strum the heart now. That's on a whole other level. That's on a spiritual level. That's not on that old physical level. We could do a lot of things on the Old Testament like that. You know, they, they did, what, washings? Where they cleanse the body before they... What kind of washing do we do today? Baptism, right? But it's not taking away the filth of flesh. It's answer of good conscience toward God. It's a spiritual washing. It's not a physical washing. A lot of things. Well, they, they burned incense in the Old Testament, didn't they? No, we don't burn incense today. What is our incense today? What does the Bible tell us? Our prayers go up. Before God is a sweet-smelling a sweet savor. So, again, that's raised up on a spiritual level, not a physical level. And you could go through the Old Testament, and a lot of things are like that, that, that were a physical thing back then, and now they're a spiritual thing. But the main thing is, it's not what we like, is it? It's what God specified and what he commanded in the Bible. Uh, let's see. No. no. But, you know, the pitch pipe is a very inexpensive way to get a pitch. Okay, I even hate to hardly, but you could have some expensive thing up here to get a pitch, but you couldn't use it while you're uh, doing the singing. You can get a pitch in a lot of different ways. You can get a pitch on a piano, but you couldn't play it while you're singing to God, okay? You, know, you just had to hit the note and then start singing. But a pitch pipe is a very good way to do that. Very inexpensive, it's portable, you can carry it around, you know, it's a very easy way to do that. But you can't use something God... Now, if you tried to use that pitch pipe, turn it around and around and play music on it while you were doing it, no, that'd be adding another type of music, wouldn't it? be kind of like a harmonica, almost, if you try to play that thing. But uh, you can't do that, because that'd be instrumental music and God's uh, specified vocal music. Questions, comments about any of those type things we've talked about so far? I don't want to belabor the point, but I do think it's an important point that we get because that's where a lot of the, 
differences come when people start studying the Bible and trying to apply it, not recognizing the authority God has to choose and pick specific things that he wants and leave other things out. And because he leaves them out, it makes it wrong if we decide to add it. We don't have that authority to do that. We don't have authority to do what we like. We have the authority, to, or we should have the subjection and the submissive attitude to do what God wants us to do. Mm-hmm. Yes? We hear a lot about the instrumental music in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Only in the time of David in the tabernacle, and only when it was told by the prophet of God for him to do it. Mm-hmm. For the most part of the tabernacle, for all the temple, and for all the New Testament, that is not commanded. That's true. That's exactly right. Matter of fact, my understanding is, and I may be wrong, but I think I think the, even the synagogue worship uh, that they had, they, they didn't use instruments there. It was all vocal music. Yes. Interesting point. Interesting point. Anybody else? Any comments? <laughs> Where's the first example of that we have? Of man thinking he knew better than God about worship? Cain and Abel, would it not? the very first people to worship God. Cain had a different idea. And he tried to do that. God was not pleased with it, and God informed him of that. But we know that Abel did what God wanted him to do because in Hebrews, it says, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. Well, now, if he did it by faith, where did he get that idea? We know that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, right? So God gave him that. God told him what to do. By faith, Abel did that. Cain didn't. Cain did something else. He didn't do it by faith. And because he didn't do it by faith and subjection to God's will, then God held him accountable for that. And totally, of course, that upset Cain, and he ended up killing Abel, but he did not subject himself to God's will in worship then. So that's, that's not a, a new thing, is it? <laughs> it's a very old thing. Yes. There you go. I mean, it was not heard of in, in the first century and centuries after that. It was not heard of at all. And man, again, ended up bringing it in. All right. Now, that's talking about commands. Again, general, specific, aids, all those type things. Okay, tried to get as much of that in as we could. Now, moving on to the next way the Bible authorizes 
It authorizes by approved examples. In other words, as we read our Bible and we read what the apostles did and what the early church did, and we look at the things that they practiced and the things that they did. Uh, matter of fact, look at uh, Philippians 4.9. Philippians 4.9. My glasses don't want to work sometimes. Okay. This is Paul talking. It says, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So did Paul want the Christians then to follow his example? Yes, he did. He wanted not only what, what, he, had, what he had said, what he had written, but what they had seen him do. It, it was he, he wanted them to follow that example. Look at 1 Corinthians 4, 16. Again, Paul said, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Again, he wanted them to follow him. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 17. For this cause I have sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every, single, uh, in, in every church, in remembrance of what? My ways, the things that I'm doing. He, he wanted them to watch him. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So he specified there, only follow me as I'm following Christ. If I'm not following Christ, don't follow me. But if it's approved in the Bible, and it is, and it's a, 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 a scriptural thing to do, is to follow the examples, the approved examples, the examples of correct things that we see in the Bible, then we can apply those. Now, uh, we use that when we talk about the Lord's Supper. We just talked about the Lord's Supper. Why do we partake of the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week? What authority do we have for that? Acts 20, verse 7 says, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached to them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech to midnight. We see the uh, first century Christians getting together on the first day of the week and partaking of the Lord's Supper. Now, if we partake of the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week, and we do, are we following an approved example? Yeah, we are. Okay. Now, here's the next question. How many weeks have a first day? Every one of them. So which one of those first days are we supposed to take the Lord's Supper on? Every one of them. That's the only example we have is first day of the week. And the first day of the week, every week has first day. You know, it's interesting, that same phrase is used when uh, Paul tells them about giving. On the first day of the week, give of your means. I don't know if anybody has any problem with understanding that means every first day. They give that money every first day. But yet some of them want to take that, the same phraseology on the first day of the week and say, well, we're going to change that to we're going to take the Lord's Supper once a month, maybe once a quarter. Well, every week has first day. And if we can give on the first day of the week, take the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week. Same phrase, and it's the example, and it, that's why we do what we do, okay? And, and so, so that, that's an approved example, and we do that. Questions or comments about that? Oh, by the way, I told my wife, um, I've gone three Sundays on this. I told her, I'm going to be finished today whether I'm through or not. So 
<laughs> I'm trying to watch the clock back here, and this time I know it stops at 10.15, not 10.30. That got me off last time, but I'm, I'm watching it back there now. We, we're going we're to get through today, whether I'm finished or not, so I'm going to try to get through all this, okay? All right. The next uh, way the Bible authorizes is by necessary implications. Now, what does that mean? Well, I'm going to read what this guy says, okay? He said, these are neither explicitly stated, as in a command, or specifically exemplified, as in the example. Okay, we talked about those two ways, right? Command and example. <laughs> he said, these aren't specifically or explicitly done like that, but rather are necessarily implied by the clear meaning of the language of the inspired writers that the inspired writers are using, so much so that one could only logically draw a particular conclusion. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 22, please. Matthew chapter 22. I want you to go back to verse 23, or go down to verse 23. This is a, the Sadducees talking about the resurrection. Now, if you've studied this very much, you know the Sadducees didn't believe in a resurrection. They did not believe in a resurrection at all. And they were trying to trap Jesus and asking him this question. The same day came, him, came to him the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection, and asked him, saying, Master, Moses said, if a man die having no children, his brother should marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there, uh, now there were with us seven brethren, and the first, when he had married a wife, deceased and having no issue, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third unto the seventh. And last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. Jesus answered and said unto them, you do err not knowing the scriptures. He referred them back to the scriptures. He said, you're not properly interpreting the scriptures here. It's not that they didn't know it, but they didn't understand what it was teaching or didn't want to understand it, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. He took the implication from what was said there in the Old Testament. When God said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Notice he didn't say, I was the God of Abraham. He said, I am the God of Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob. That means they're alive somewhere. They're alive. They're, they're still in a being state somewhere. And he wanted the Sadducees to understand that. It doesn't say that there, but it's implied in, that God is the God of the living, not the dead. So God, uh, Christ used implication there from that scripture to teach that there is a resurrection, that these people are alive. I know that their bodies are dead, their bodies are gone, but these people, their being is alive somewhere. Their soul is alive. And he taught that from that scripture. Now, we do the same thing. Uh, look at, uh, let me see. Look at John 3.16. I know you know what that says. But uh, 
John 3, 16 said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God so loved the world. What is that world there? For God so loved the world. It's the people. But it didn't say it was the people. In the world, the planet, the rocks and the trees and all the dirt and everything. But we didn't gather from that that he was talking about the rocks and the trees and the grass and all that, did we? When we read that, we imply that it says God loved the people. God loved the souls of the people. Well, why do we do that? Well, not only from that, when we look at uh, 1 Timothy uh, 2 and uh, Verse 4, this is talking about, uh, well, go back to verse uh, 3. Let me see. Now I'm going to go back to verse 1. I exhort, uh, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, and intercessions are given to thanks to be made for all men, for kings and for all that in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So see, there's other scriptures in the Bible that talk about God wanting all men to be saved. So when we, when we read John 3.16, we imply the necessary implication there is that we draw from that is that that verse is talking about mankind. That God loves men. Not that He loves the physical planet, the rocks and the trees. But, and we get that from reading the scriptures and applying that correctly. Questions about that, in particular about that, that example. I'm going to go on to another one. Okay. Now, and I, I've never heard it put this way before uh, in teaching about necessary inference, but I think it's a pretty good one. He said, uh, he said, in like manner, I'm just going to read what he says, students of the New Testament know that there is no specific command which states, thou shalt not punch thy wife in the face. You ever read that anywhere? I have not. I have not read that anywhere. So there's, that means we can do it, right? No. No. We read other scriptures and we understand that. And he says, well, let's look at Matthew 7 and verse 12. Matthew 7, verse 12. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would do that man should do to you, do you so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. What do we call that? Golden rule, right? You treat others like you want to be treated. Well, do you want to be punched in the face? No. So the implication there is you don't do that. You treat people like you want to be treated. Look at Ephesians 5, 28 and 29. Ephesians 5, 28 and 29. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. Now, can you read the golden root and read Ephesians 28 29 and still think you punch your wife in the face? No, you can't. The implication is you're going to treat her like you want to be treated and you're going to love her like you love yourself. 
And although there's not a specific command not to do that, the necessary inference is you're not going to do those kinds of things. You're just not. Because that's not the way you want to be treated. That's not the way you treat yourself. That's not the way you treat somebody you love and you cherish as you do yourself. So the Bible doesn't have to come out and say that. We can draw that conclusion or that inference from other scriptures we study in the Bible. And does that make sense? The Bible teaches like that. And we could draw all sorts of other examples and things uh, about that. But I thought that was a pretty good one. What he used there as far as necessary inference goes. Again, not specifically stated, but if you look at all the teachings surrounding that certain thing, then there's conclusions or there's inferences. And notice I like when he said, uh, speaking about that to begin with, uh, so much so that one could only logically draw a particular conclusion. Notice he said logically draw. Because you have people that can look at scriptures and they can go way out in left field on something. Or way over here and say, well, this, this means I can do this or this means I... Well, no, you have to be logical in your conclusions, don't you? God gave us a mind to use. To read his word and to apply it and to study it and to look at it and say, this makes sense and this doesn't make sense. Do we have the right to do that? We better. If we don't have the right to do that, then how are we going to read his word and apply it in our lives? Again, the Bible being the only objective standard that we have in religion that we all should be able to go to, to study, to look at what it says, apply it correctly, and come to the same conclusions. Everything else is of a subjective nature. I'm done. Okay, and I may have a minute or two left, but that's okay. Any questions or comments before we stop, though? Well, thank you for being patient with me and letting me run on and on, and I hope I didn't go too far. But uh, uh, Mr. Larry's up next week uh, on teaching another lesson, and I appreciate your, your, uh, your letting me go a little longer than I really actually meant to. Thank you.